Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, meet the new cloud contract, same as the old cloud contract. The fact is that we have seen this hybridized model before. Uh, It's proven to be popular with uh, customers. And how to prevent missing the moment for the Navy's future fleet. They are augmenting, augmenting, not replacing the current fleet, right? And so when you're already talking about a fleet that's trying to build up and is already constrained, without these systems being affordable, they're not going to be achievable. It's Friday, April 15th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. A revamp may be coming for the Air Force's software factory system. Military deputy in the office of the chief software officer for the Air Force, Major Christopher Olson, tells FedScoop the service is considering a variety of viewpoints about if it should or how to change that structure. The Air Force has 16 software factories right now. The Commerce Department has 27 new members on a board that advises the executive branch about artificial intelligence. The members come from the private sector, academia, and the nonprofit, non-governmental fields. The members serve three-year terms. The Secretary of Commerce can renominate them for another term. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. IT leaders from CISA and HHS headline the Government Innovation Strategy and Technology Conference. It's May 19th at the International Spy Museum in downtown D.C. You can find the link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The General Services Administration will introduce a new cloud blanket purchase agreement. The agency's calling it Ascend. It is still in the market research phase, according to Larry Allen, the president of Allen Federal Business Partners, writing about Ascend in the Week Ahead newsletter this week. Larry, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What will customer agencies be able to do on Ascend that they can't do in some other vehicle through GSA or through some other organization in the government? Welcome. Thanks, Francis. Thanks for having me. And that's a very good question to open with. Uh, There are two ways to answer it. From a macro level, Ascend is going to be built on existing cloud solutions. So federal agency customers can buy these basic types of cloud solutions today from the schedule contracts that will be the underlying foundation of the blanket purchase agreements that will be the meat and potatoes of the Ascend uh, project. So on a macro level, it's the same type of stuff that you can already get. What GSA is saying is that feedback from their customer agencies say, look, we want very specialized solutions for our agency. We don't want to buy stuff that comes in a package. We have a special mission. We have a special way we want to use this. We really want a way to make these cloud solutions customizable. And GSA has said, aha, we can do customizable cloud solutions more easily through a blanket purchase agreement than we could if we went out and did another contract from scratch. The theory, Francis, is that it's more easy to modify a BPA and to issue a task order under that BPA that allows for that specialized solution than it would be if you used 
an existing contract or even put a new contract into place. We'll see if that pans out in the marketplace, but that's based on what GSA's customers have been telling them. So that's why they're proceeding with Ascend. All right. When you explain it that way, that makes more sense than the way that, and I'm not, this is my understanding, not the way you wrote it, but you wrote in the newsletter, the Ascend BPAs will be established against existing multiple award schedule contracts, as you explained, meaning that contractors that want to participate must have cloud solutions on their schedule contracts by the time the RFP is issued or be able to partner with a company that does. So this is where my understanding of how the acquisition piece of this works kind of goes off the rails because that second part of that sentence that you wrote, my thought when I first read it was, well, if a contractor already has cloud solutions on their schedule contracts or has a partnership with somebody to do it, then why can't the customer agency just buy off of that? Why can't they just buy off this through the schedule contract? Why, what's, what does this serve that that doesn't serve? Well, right. And from a operational level, customer agencies can go and use schedule contracts today to get customized cloud solutions. Uh, I guess one way to look at Ascend is that it's a an overlay on the schedules, a facilitator, something that is more readily identifiable to a customer agency, perhaps, uh, you know, it's the difference between being able to change your own oil and going down to somebody and helping them, help them helping you change your oil. Uh, we'll keep my oil changing abilities out of this <laughs> specific discussion. But, you know, the, the general idea is, yeah, you could do it yourself or you could have somebody help you do it. And maybe that way you don't have to manage all of the steps and can ma manage the cleanup better. I think that's the analogy. All right. Um, as far as oil changing capabilities, if your uh, oil changing uh, capabilities are anywhere near mine, then it's a good thing that you are the president of Allen Federal Business Partners and I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast so that we can afford to have somebody do it for us. Uh, back to do it for us and keep the EPA on our side. That's exactly right. Uh, back to the idea of buying cloud in the federal government. Um, you write, uh, GSA previously sent out an RFI earlier this year that received strong contractor feedback, including comments from small businesses. You didn't mention anything about positive feedback from, uh, the, from industry, including small business. What was the general response and what is the general response to this idea right now? Francis, I think the general response overall is at least cautiously optimistic, but it does really depend on the size of company that you are. What I've been hearing from small businesses is that they're concerned that they're not going to be able to be competitive on the BPA, particularly if it's just a BPA program uh, that doesn't have a special carve out for at least some services for small businesses. Uh, so small businesses are looking at this BPA opportunity going, you know, we offer cloud services we can do the cloud work. We have the schedule in many cases to do it. But when you get to this further area of refinement, are we gonna really be able to compete for customizable solutions on a BPA? Uh, and some of that depends on the acquisition framework that GSA is putting together. But to be fair to GSA, some of it has to deal with 
how those small businesses work and how they contract with the cloud providers that they sometimes get the basic cloud solutions from. So uh, while industry overall happy with Ascend, uh, GSA has been telegraphing that they wanted to do a new cloud uh, contract for at least 10 years, Francis. Uh, so they finally hit on this pathway as one forward. So I think industry is kind of used to the idea, but if you're a small business, you're probably wondering if this is actually going to be beneficial. All right. Industry day coming, draft RFP, all of that uh, in the works. Do you have any sense of what a timeline for the, any of that stuff should look like? Like it, it strikes me if they've come up with this idea and they're promoting it and we have the RFI with comments already done, I would think this would be moving forward, right? It is moving forward. However, it's also the same organization inside GSA, Francis, that's dealing with the Polaris program. These are both being overseen by the GSA IT category. We know they kind of have their hands full with Polaris. Some of the same people are working on each acquisition. I think that's going to push the acquisition timeframe for Ascend out to the right. How far out is hard to say, but I certainly don't think we're going to get anything in place and operational much before the end of this fiscal year, and that might be pretty ambitious. Is there anything like this that exists now that's kind of, this sounds to me the way you're describing it is more like a framework that an overlay for existing vehicles than something new. Is there anything like this that we've seen work before that can give people an indicator of this is how this is going to work? Francis, there are a couple that are broader-based programs that have been very successful uh, programs that to the untrained eye kind of look like their own uh, IDIQ program, yet they are uh, contracts, BPAs based on GSA blanket purchase agreements. One of the more recent larger examples of that is the Air Force's 2GIT contract that replaced their previous NetSense contract. Those are all BPAs against the GSA schedules program. There's also been one that's kind of an IT services hybrid that's been in place down in Huntsville, Alabama for years that has met the needs of government agencies for a host of complex IT and IT services solutions. Uh, those were at least at one point based on GSA multiple word schedules. They may now be partially based on that or more based on uh, GSA Alliant 2. But the fact is that we have seen this hybridized model before. Uh, it's proven to be popular with uh, customers. So we'll have to see what happens here with Ascend. Larry Allen, great to talk to you as always. Thanks for coming on. Francis, thanks very much. You can read more about Ascend and find a link to Larry's newsletter in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast on Monday's show, The People Problem, Facing IT Leaders in Government. Gundeep Alawalia, the Chief Information Officer at the Labor Department, has some solutions to those problems. He'll share them on Monday's Daily Scoop podcast. That show debuts Monday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. The Navy's new 2023 budget request includes spending increases on uncrewed ships. 
The Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday, told me at the Navy League's Sea Air Space recently that the uncrewed part of the fleet will be important to Navy strategy. Shelby Oakley is Director of Contracting and National Security Acquisition Issues at the Government Accountability Office. She's writing about uncrewed systems. Shelby, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. What exactly are you looking at in the way that the Navy's building out its uncrewed fleet? Welcome. Thanks for having me, Francis. I appreciate it. Well, our report took a look at, you know, generally the Navy's planned investments in uncrewed systems and how they are managing and prototyping um, these efforts. So it was a pretty broad look for our first tranche into the uncrewed systems world. You write, the Navy shipbuilding plan outlines spending more than $4 billion on uncrewed systems over the next five years, but its plan doesn't account for the full costs to develop and operate these systems. What do you think they're missing out on, Shelby? Two key factors that they're missing out on are the operations and sustainment costs. There's no real estimate of what that might eventually cost um, the Navy to operate and sustain these systems, which, as I'm sure you know, is a huge chunk uh, for traditional uh, shipbuilding programs of of money. Um, But more importantly, I think, is they are not currently um, including estimates for what we call the digital infrastructure. And the digital infrastructure is really what is needed to be able to um, enable these these capabilities from an artificial intelligence autonomy-based perspective to achieve their intended purposes. These are things like people and data and analytics and modeling and simulation. On the digital infrastructure piece of that, are they accounting for that in a different way? line on the ledger like in a, uh, as an IT acquisition program or is is that not included at all or is it some combination of both frankly it's really difficult to say but i think in general the uh, work on the digital infrastructure has been very limited to this point. And that's one of the key findings that we had in our report is that, you know, these prototyping efforts that the Navy has underway are, are great. It's awesome that they are taking steps to, you know, prototype the platforms that will be used. But without the digital infrastructure, these platforms won't be really effective. And so they're behind on developing that digital infrastructure. Um, And so one of the things that we want them to focus on is how can they manage this entire effort as a portfolio to ensure that that digital infrastructure gets the attention and resources that it deserves and needs. What's lacking in the portfolio management approach for the Navy to take on these projects? Is it just the the operations and sustainment and digital infrastructure stuff that you thought should be there that you didn't see? Or is there more to it than that? Well, you know, the Navy envisions these systems to be managed kind of as an interconnected fleet of systems, right? And so when you're talking about a different kind of approach and concept for what it sees with these unmanned systems than what it has in the past, they all need to be interconnected and talking to one another. And that's where the digital infrastructure comes into play. But additionally, this is a new area for the Navy, right? This uncrewed world and undersea and surface is a new area. Um, And so there's a lot of learning that's occurring right now and that will continue to occur that can be shared across the portfolio. And as things are being managed now, they're being still being managed 
seemingly in the old way of a platform by platform, um, you know, management approach versus an overarching approach where someone's in charge, there's leadership that controls not only decision making, but what drives decision making resources. And so that's a key issue um, involved in portfolio management. Uh, you and your colleagues that worked on this work uh, write, if it continues with its current approach, the Navy's less likely to achieve its objectives. And I imagine we'll talk about the changes that you think are necessary to achieve those objectives in the recommendations, because you have seven of those, I see. Um, but you also point out Navy has yet to, one, establish criteria to evaluate prototypes, and two, develop improved schedules for prototype efforts. Now, prototyping has gotten a lot more common, I would say, in the department, to, to my understanding, over the past, say, decade. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's common yet, it sounds like. More common, it doesn't imply commonness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to make sure that I'm very clear. It's really great that the Navy is taking steps to prototype these systems. That's a huge, that's a huge undertaking and a huge effort. But we don't think that they are executing the prototyping in such a way that's going to allow them to leverage it to make better acquisition decisions, which in fact is the the goal of prototyping, right? And so when you don't have um, clear evaluation criteria for assessing transition readiness of the prototyping. How are they going to know when they're ready to transition these prototypes to acquisition programs? There's no criteria set out for that. There's no key decision points. There's no schedules. There's no milestones. These prototyping approaches lack um, a plan for technology maturity, right? How are we going to know that we are developing and maturing the technology in such a way that it's going to be able to have the intended effect that we want it? And so all of these things really culminate in the Navy missing an opportunity to be able to better leverage these prototyping efforts to make better long-term acquisition decisions as resources and investments increase. All right, uh, seven recommendations, as I mentioned, and it sounds to me from the way you're talking about what they're doing and then what I read in those recommendations, it sounds to me like there's a little more nuance to the recommendations than just do all the stuff that we don't think you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in general, I would say our recommendations are really aimed at just pushing the Navy forward and its approach for planning for these efforts, right? And so we have recommendations related to that, that cost issue, take steps to better understand the cost of the digital, digital infrastructure and what it's going to require to operate and sustain these ships, take steps to better manage the uncrewed systems in the digital infrastructure as a portfolio so that you can make better risk-based decisions. And that would include putting in place criteria that you can determine how are we meeting our strategic objectives for these systems. Um, and then finally, you know, with regard to those prototyping plans, bring more fidelity to them, give more schedules, understanding the linkages between the programs and how the technology is going to be matured and how we're going to make decisions about transitioning these programs to acquisition programs. Shelby, does the Navy have the data and the resources? And I don't just mean money when I say resources. Does it have the data and resources that it needs to be able to do all those things? Does it have the numbers surrounding operational and sustainment costs to be, or at least the ability to make projections to be able to do that? Um, does it have all, all of the other things that it needs to address the issues that you've raised? 
Yeah, um, I think that the Navy can take certain steps now, right? There's nothing preventing the Navy from doing a, you know, risk-based analysis of what the costs would be for operating and sustaining these programs. That's something they can do. They just haven't done it yet. Um, you know, with regard to the digital infrastructure, you know, there's a lot at question. You know, what is that going to entail? How many people are we going to have to hire? What kind of systems are we going to need to put in place? to be able to, you know, execute this whole AI-based autonomy that we're aiming for. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that the Navy is going to face is making sure that they have the resources and expertise to be able to do that. But one thing I want to make sure that's clear is these systems need to be affordable, right? Because they are augmenting, augmenting, not replacing the current fleet, right? And so when you're already talking about a fleet that's trying to build up and is already constrained, without these systems being affordable, they're not going to be achievable. And the Navy can make decisions now to make sure that they're affordable. All right. Regarding the portfolio management concept, Concepts. Are these the just the traditional portfolio management leading uh, principles that you want to see the Navy implement, or do they need to develop some kind of portfolio management strategy, particularly for this, because of the uniqueness of the application? No, absolutely. It's the traditional portfolio management practices, which are pretty, you know, common sense and straightforward. Put somebody in charge, let them have resources, identify goals and criteria for meeting them, those kinds of things. And and I think the Navy is really well positioned to be able to do that. Shelby Oakley, thank you very much for joining me. Great to have you back on the program. I appreciate you having me. You can find a link to Shelby's work in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast returns Monday with Gundeep Alawalia, the CIO at the Labor Department. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you then. Thanks very much for listening.